And welcome to Pints and Politics. Pints and Politics is a weekly discussion program of all things political coming to you through the facilities of Trent Radio, CFFF in Peterborough, 92.7 on your FM dial. My name is Bill Templeman. In addition to this radio show, Pints and Politics is streamed live from the Trent Radio website. We also have a podcast at pintsandpolitics.ptbopodcasters.ca, and these podcasts are also available on iTunes. And every Thursday, a small crew gathers at the Garnet Pub, local people at Aylmer Hunter in Peterborough at 5 p.m. for an informal gathering where we talk about politics uh, at all levels. All are welcome. Please join us. We also post at on Twitter at Bill Temp and on the Cooperate Peterborough Facebook page. Uh, joining me today is Leslie Parnell. Leslie is running in Autonomy Ward. Uh, welcome, Leslie. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? Thanks for making the time. Uh, Leslie, the, the question we start with is, why are you running again? I do know what I'm getting into, Bill, and I uh, absolutely love it. Uh, for the most part, it's been a very, very positive experience. I absolutely love being able to help people. And over the eight years, I've, I've learned so mm-hmm. much and developed some fantastic relationships, you know, with just in, out in the community, but also with staff and public works. I need to get something done on behalf of my constituents. Very positive. Now, are you out knocking on doors yet? Absolutely. Yes, I have been since. And what uh, what are you hearing? What, what's top of mind for people? Speed of traffic and the volume of traffic in residential neighborhoods. Still, that is the number one concern I get. And you're in the South End. I, I am in the South End. Yes, Southwest, right? All the way from, um, well, the, the river is part of the boundary. We go from Lock 19 all the way past Fleming College and then the whole area of, you know, Tallwood and Clonsill up to the golf course section. And of course, Spillsbury South down by airport. And what is driving this concern? I mean, oh, the, the concern is real. The traffic is there. What's driving that? Is it new development? Uh... Not so much in the South End. It's it's driver behavior. And unless we have a direct link, a, a very direct, uh, efficient way for to move that traffic, people will cut through residential neighborhoods. It's a very difficult problem because we know that just putting in more stop signs does not work. Drivers sense that they've lost more time and will speed faster after the stop sign. That is not my opinion. This is fact right. um, that I, you know, I've learned this and we can't do speed bumps. They are very dangerous to all of our emergencies and the people who may be in them. Right. Mm-hmm. And we and I, and I do support cycling lanes where we need them, but we can't put them on every single residential street to make it look narrower as a, as a way to dissuade speeding because we need that parking in residential. Right. And of course, you have the parkway throughout your ward. Is that correct? Well, we do for the most southern section, but we don't have that connecting piece yet that will get people to the hospital. So right. that does mean people will scoot you know, Monaghan Road, for example, and then cut through all the side streets to get that, you know, to go that way to wherever their destination is. So if it actually, you know, that little connecting piece, I think it would actually help. Okay. Now, what else are you hearing at the doors? Other issues that are top of mind for people? Uh, there's always questions. Different, different people have different priorities, mm-hmm. right? So where one person person is, you know, when are you going to build that, you know, the new OHL arena? And another man will say, I, you know, I don't play hockey. I don't like hockey. I don't want you spending any of my tax money on a new right. hockey arena, <laughs> which is you know, kind of a blasphemous thing to say in Peterborough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it's different. And that the points of view out there are so diverse that there's absolutely no way you can make 100% of the people happy. Any decision we make, very diverse community that we have. Now, on the hockey arena, 
What's your feeling? Where should it go? I do not want to predetermine the report. Mm. We know it's going to take significant land. It doesn't have to be 100% parking because we really do want to have people use transit. So it has to be, Mm -hmm. but transit's critical to where the new location will be. We'll be impacted around it. You know, can we have it near lots of restaurants and that so people will, you'll go to the, we we have more award-winning restaurants. And so it'd be really wonderful people coming to any type of entertainment would go to these restaurants and then come to our new arena whether it be for hockey, lacrosse, skating, or some big event. Okay. Now, in terms of the other issues that, if you're successful again, will come across your desk, of course, well, the casino is, is done. There's building the whole parkway. There's the sale of PDI. Where where are you on those things? Me to tackle. Your, your call. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's, you know, I, I would like to talk about the visitor center first, though. I oh, absolutely. Please, because there is misconception out there about what happened to the old visitor center i can tell you bill that was the one uh, right down near the uh, tim hortons uh, just near the entrance of the 115 right yes the one the building that's now gone, gone. right yes so it, it's, it's it will be used for parking for the new casino and the hundred room hotel which i don't think a lot of people realize we're getting a new hundred um, hotel right there which it's already started to be built which is fantastic but i thought initially that we could just move that building out to the airport as additional terminal space because because the terminal was actually built um, mirror old visitor center. Um, and, and bear in mind, please, that the city of Peterborough taxpayers did not pay for the, those buildings to be built. This was Roshan who owns that land, who built the visitor center and let the city rent it rent-free. It's no taxpayers' money involved whatsoever. And the other thought, if we couldn't move it to the airport, because they were not ready for that scenario yet, um, maybe we could turn it into three houses somewhere in the city if we could find three service lots. But so we did investigate that, but at the end of the day, uh, these buildings were not built with the idea of ever moving them. They were on slab. So it's very expensive to move three adjoining buildings that are on slab, because you have to lift the whole thing and get those great big beams underneath. So the estimate, including service lots, was going to be well over $400,000. So there was no way we were going to get that. And I did, I can tell you, Bill, I was personally in those buildings with a representative from Roshan. Roshan was willing to give us those buildings if we could use them or anything in them. Excuse me, for for people who don't know, what is Roshan? Roshan is a a developer. They are they are the ones who are building this new hotel. They own this land. They built the, these buildings as well. So they, they are important to Peterborough because they are bringing uh, economic impact and jobs. So they were willing to give us those buildings and or anything in them if we could use them. So I had Habitat for Humanity in there. We were making up a list of what they could. And truly, there wasn't a lot in there that they could even use for the, mm-hmm. the type of buildings they built for the, yeah. for the families. Um, and at the end of the day, there was a bit of a time crunch and we could not get the qualified insured volunteers take out anything and like the windows for example were just way too big so we weren't able to repurpose um, a whole lot and the buildings came down but it wasn't for lack of trying uh, to keep it sustainable so i want people to know that it was not taxpayers dollars mm-hmm. we did take a genuine look at moving them mm-hmm. somehow or repurposing some of the material all right now pdi pdi yes well you know what bill people are i know 
Some people are out there pushing that agenda, but that is not what people are raising to me. Very, very few of the doors that I've been to have raised it. And the majority of the very few people who have raised it are just, I, I just don't understand it. And so when, when I explained it to them, stand and they're fine, that they agree that it was the right decision uh, to move in the direction that we did. But please bear in mind, if PDI, as we know it, was sustainable moving forward, we would not even be having this discussion, not have even come up as an option. Mm-hmm. We cannot not grow our customer base in any way, shape, or form. We are surrounded by Hydro One. We already have Hydro One within our in the Simon subdivision, as you probably so it, it's already here. <clears throat> so we and we, we are getting return now on it. That return is going to disappear, and we'll end up having to invest millions of dollars into it. So it's been a great asset for us up to now, but it's not going to be an asset. It's going to be a liability in the future. So with that, and then with the the direction of what is happening in the electrical market, um, the grid, I should say, and Ontario, please remember that we had well over 300 little distribution companies like us in Ontario at one point in time. When we had that vote in December 2016, we were down to 75. We're at about 65 now. And the direction of the province, and we we knew this at that time, was they want to go down to about 8 or 10-ish. There's there's no way our little PDI is going to be one of those last remaining pillies and distribution companies and be profitable. And it is also privatized, right? People don't understand this either. PDI has been privatized since 1999. We just happen to be the sole. So given the reality of what's happening to the grid in Ontario and the, the reality of you know PDI's future if we do nothing, then we had this offer of $105 million. We'll pay off the debt. We will end up with about $55, 60000000 million left over, which we have already voted on that we will invest. We are not going to be spending that money. We are investing it so that we will get a better return on investment for it for years and years and years, decades. The revenue that we get out of that, that money we can take and put into our capital infrastructure because we have about a a billion dollar deficit of work that we need to do, right? We've done a significant amount over the last eight years, which I'll I'll touch on again later, but we have a a lot more work. So that's what's happening with $105 million. We're being very, very smart with that money. the other part is that the ratepayers will get a 1% decrease in their distribution rate guaranteed for five years, and then only it will only go up cost of living or less for the next five. So a no vote would mean that your distribution rate would go up about 25% over the next 10 years. A yes vote means it might will go up around six. So again, that's more money in okay. your pocket, right? Okay. And, right. So that's that is the projection. The other, yeah. The other big thing, of course, is the regional operations center and jobs. So we will have built this new regional operations center. Well, the Ontario Hydro will, not us, the taxpayers. That is estimated to be 100 to 150 million dollars in positive economic impact for us. And of course, that would include the what seven, eight hundred thousand a year property tax. Really good jobs at this regional operations center. Also secure the 70 Hydro One jobs that are on Crawford Drive now. Those are regional jobs. Those are very skilled people. And if that regional center went to some other city other than us, those jobs could move. Probably not overnight, but they could. So we have to consider that. Our PDI crews are absolutely skilled. They know Peterborough better than anybody. They've been given a one-year guarantee for the position that they have right now. However, the, they get an immediate raise. They um, keep their seniority as they move into the bigger union. But So they, they have an opportunity. If they want to move, they will now have greater opportunities within the bigger union. Chances are 
they're not going to go anywhere because they are the people, they are the experts. So that protects them. So all in all, with the reality of what's happening, we have to look to actually, I know this is going to sound funny, but we can decrease the amount of tax increases we'll have to do because we'll have this form of revenue that we can can invest properly in capital. We will protect add and protect really important jobs like calculate about 106 right and we're going to decrease people's distribution rates so all of those things have a very positive impact on people's okay now thank you for that now you touch on a theme you've just provided a lot of background that many people don't have time to get up to speed on and that's great thanks for doing that how can the city and the citizens, I guess I'm trying to ask, how can we do civic engagement together so that citizens are more informed and they can actually be knowledgeable about these issues? It seems that we vote every four years and the uh, the more, uh, how should we say, um, vocal, uh, obstreperous people stand up, uh, give you a presentation, you and your colleagues have to sit through all these presentations. How can we play that game differently so it's more interactive and more people are more involved so that you people like you don't have to do this huge education piece because no one has time to figure it all out? That's There are many points within that. First of all, we do elect a council to make these tough decisions. And, I, and that doesn't say, you know, public engagement isn't important because because it is. But the vast majority, well bear in mind, half the city doesn't even vote. And the people who <laughs> and the people who do vote, they they want to pick a candidate that they know is going to do all of this research and homework and ask those tough questions. And so when we make a decision, it's made on fact because they don't want to be reading a 250, 300-page agenda every Sunday, right? Plus all the other committee agendas that you have to read as well. I mean, that that's my job is, is to do that and to be prepared. And I can tell you, I rarely ask a question at city council that I don't already know the answer to. It's more about helping educate you know why am i making this decision on whatever the topic is or it's a really important point within the report that i've read but you know 99.9% of the people out there they haven't read it so you know it, it could be whatever the, the key point is in that report if it hasn't been brought forward in you know, maybe the presentation from staff or with you know there's no sense in repeating something in strategic silence if you want something to pass and you don't raise it <laughs> you just kind of hope it passes and if it gets raised then you're you're, you're ready to you know defend it um but you know, having said all that, you know, the job of the councillor is to make the decision. And of course, we're going to listen to whatever the public says, but you have already said yourself, it's usually the, the no side that will, will be the most on any given issue. Uh, whereas the yes people just want you to do the job. Um, and the vast majority of people are just saying, you know what, that's your job. You make the, you do the work, you do the research, you make the, issue. so that's how that all works. So our system in Peterborough is actually, I feel very democratic. Um, now we're in a, a pilot project right now with the general committee and council, but we have had planning, uh, committee of the whole, and then council. And then there is a gap that there is time for public consultation for people to contact their counselor with their point of that new information. So that may or may not change your the planning or well general committee now to council. If something comes up that it's new information that changes the decision, and we also um, there are municipalities out there that only have council meeting voters, or there are three only with a time limit, and whatever they're saying has to be submitted early. We don't do that. We let anybody who wants to speak register and even unregister. We do have on the big queues, we always have a 
bigger venue and a bigger meeting. We mm-hmm. always do that. And Bill, you yourself uh, were part of the planning charade. Four full days public consultation on our official plan review. That's unprecedented. So that again is is listening to. Yeah, that was very awesome. Um, what about the casino? Now, I know it, the decisions have been made, the buildings have been built. Where do you stand on that? Are people at home with it? Are they fine with it? What are you hearing? Well, I'm, I'm actually thrilled it's coming to Pedro because it has already been here for five years or 20 years, pardon me, just five minutes outside our border, <laughs> yeah, right? So, yeah. so the, the whole social justice side of the casino, we've been dealing with that for 20 years already without the revenue. And bear in mind, you know, that's $59 million over 20 years that did not come to the city of Piro, it went to the township. We, we could certainly use that money. And there again, Bill, any money that we do, any revenue money that we receive from the casino is by council direction being invested in capital projects. It is not going into operation. We are going to invest that money very wisely. I can tell you that my husband and I are both on the addiction or the gambling addiction advisory committee that's not a city appointment it is a, a committee uh, him and i decided to join because of my you know casinos in my ward and he's an auxiliary police officer so we thought it was appropriate and from that committee what we've learned it's not the casino that's the big problem these days it's online gambling that is the main issue and then if we talk about the casino itself the new building will not be like the one that's out of Cortha downs the new building will be more like belleville it's a very very small lobby when you walk into your immediate right is a whole big, very open and welcoming office by uh, PlaySmart, not casino employees. These are provincial employees. The, so you can go in there and get all the information about gambling addiction or you can see how the slot machines work and that really it is random. There's no mysterious way to. And if you if you know you are someone who is at risk, you can say, OK, I don't let me in or um, I, you know what? I have X month where you know, that's my entertainment budget. So once I hit fifty dollars, and they will do that, mm-hmm. and how they now you you do have to use your little card, and that you have a picture. So you walk in, and there's all these cameras that will do facial recognition. So they will know someone at risk. Constantly staff walking around looking for problem behavior. So and also this is a very very small um, any out there. We're not going to close all the bars because somebody happened too much. Or we're we're getting the casino. It's even the building is meant is, is physically set up to help with. The areas of concern and we're going to use uh, that revenue very well plus it's 300 jobs it's 150 new jobs and those people are being trained right now jobs in the city that we desperately need thank you <laughs> <laughs> oh okay now uh, in terms of your campaign what are some of the challenges what this time what's going to be maybe more difficult than previous runs well, first of all, part of the, the even if, even if I was acclaimed, like some of our county colleagues have been, and that would never happen in Piero, I would still because it is the opportunity to people on their own front doorsteps. People may never have called me before, um, or um, they may may never have called me in the future if they hadn't met me. But now that we've met and had a conversation, and they have a concern or an issue, they know me. I know them. They will phone me and so i think that's a really important way to expand my public service or that's really important mm-hmm. plus i learn about little neighborhood issues that mm-hmm. it's good then i can get things done it's amazing i i do pick up an awful lot of work though i get so much casework knocking on doors and i come home and send emails to staff and 
they actually um, joke a little bit with me and say, yep, we know where you were campaigning yesterday <laughs> because I've sent all these emails. It's real. That, that in itself is public engagement. And it's another reason why I, I try to go to as many events as I can. So if, or if grocery shopping, even people see me in public, he's a saint, honestly, he'll, <laughs> he'll just say, okay, honey, you know, go do your thing. And then he'll go ahead and get the groceries or whatever. So it sounds, it sounds like you enjoy the process, the going to, to door to door. It's like, yes, I, I very much do. It's good exercise and fresh air and sunshine. Now, another issue that's come up in the in interviews with other candidates is, of course, the whole, it's really not just a question, but it's a huge topic, is the issue of job creation. Now, we have young people graduating from Trent and Fleming who have to go away to start their careers because they're just not the jobs here. What is? What are some of the things that you would like to see the city and the business community and everyone else do to create more job opportunities? Well, again, number of answers. Uh, we need more employment lands and residential lands. So we do have to work with whatever township out there will work with us to expand our borders and create more employment lands. Very, very important. And I would like to be at that table next. Um, we have given incentives. You know, in the downtown, there are different things. If you develop in the downtown, you can perhaps you know delay your tax increases, you know, spur growth in the downtown. We are investing money to clean tech commons is just going to be, we in Peterborough, it's quite amazing actually. In Peterborough, what has been invented is a new protein, a new source of food. We can literally feed the world's new invention uh, by Noble Gen. We also have a gentleman in Peterborough who has created, it's called Rainmaker, and they can mm-hmm. rain drinking water anywhere in the world here in Peterborough. And these things do take time and investment. So we're servicing out you know, to Trent for not only those jobs, and, and think about it, uh, graduates, going to work for yeah, clean tech commons it's just it's mind-blowing really it really is and then of course we have Fleming college with the skilled trades you know men and women and that is huge all four of my sons are my daughter did the public administration at university thing but there's those job opportunities and there's another item that i've been working on it's taken six years and he's not ready to make the announcement yet but it will be a new company in Peterborough using skill trades, 60 to 100 jobs. I asked if he would please make the announcement for my birthday in October, but he's not ready. <laughs> that would have been lovely. But, you know, it's yeah. taken six years to get to this point. So we do have to establish these relationships and really foster them over time. And I can tell you that staff, I mean, Malcolm Hunt was expert at doing this before, and we still have it going on with your economic. And, you know, counselors, I, you know, I, I, I know reaches out and has so many contacts of about bringing this thing to Pebro and us counselors also have our project. Now, uh, another issue that sadly is perennial, of course, is housing. And I spoke to uh, one of the other candidates who, who's involved in construction trade, and she informed me that not only is there a shortage of affordable housing and subsidized housing, it's right across the board. Like Even fairly well-off seniors who want to get out of their 3,000-square-foot home and downsize can't find anything smaller. So what is the fix there? Again, we need more land, but we also have to be supportive of the people who are here now who want to develop. Instead of every time somebody coming forward and saying, I want to build this apartment building or the subdivision, instead of you know, attacking them and turning it down and you know, that sort of thing, let's embrace that and work with them to, you know, we can work through with the concerns, but we shouldn't be so, so negative. And it's not development at all costs. I, I, I believe in, you know, smart development, you know, green infrastructure. We've been hearing a lot about and, you know, mixed densities is really important. I'm hoping to bring forward with the official plan working group, which I'm the chair of. Um, is, you know, the, the idea, well, 
Parking permits is one thing, but also any uh, development that happens make a percentage of that affordable housing, right? And so we will have to, I can't predetermine how the committee is going to feel about that or council, but you know, that's an idea. So if you do build something, then you're going to have mixed density. And if we create more inventory in general, people do tend to want to move up in their quality of life. So smart, that is compassionate, that does, you know, the current quality of life out there is essential to our housing. It it really is. Okay, now uh, an issue that certainly also uh, comes to council very frequently is poverty in Peterborough. And I know, of course, we see it downtown, but when I went door to door in Northcrest four years ago, I was struck by the number of buildings that look like, and I'm sure it's, I'm wondering if it's the same in the South End, from the street, they look like uh, single family homes. You go up and knock on the door and there's four mailboxes or five mailboxes. So what are some of the things the city can do about poverty? Okay, well, let, let's touch on secondary suites in Brock Mission as two examples, right. right? Because I did want to mention, because it's something that's very close to my heart right now, I've been working very hard on the new Brock Mission rebuild project. We did have a very successful raffle, which at one point I thought if we can raise $10,000, because I was raffling off a beautiful piece of art, but it is art and not everybody shares the same view of a particular piece of art. And unfortunately, you know, it's for a men's shelter and a men's shelter unfortunately, does not get the same level of compassion. So it was a bit of a tough go. And at one point I thought, if I get 10,000, we're, we're going to be really lucky. At the end of the day, we raised 46, about 46 between the ticket sales and the donations that came in. So, um, a, a company said, we'll do the wiring and install for free. We'll give you the paint. A woman gave us a went to Brock Shelter because they can turn 100 bucks into six in yeah. food, right? So all of those things helped uh, with Brock Mission. And yes, we have had a bit of a, a delay in the design. All the nine bids that came in were over budget. Um, but again, the estimate was 2014. Bids were 2018. Obviously, however, we, we were having a, a second look at the design, but... And there isn't a lot of fat in there. It's not like fancy counters and all that stuff, but it does have to be a purpose-built building and it has to be a durable. And it will have 30 shelter beds and 15 transitional housing units. You know, that's $1.5 million we're getting from the to do the transitional housing. And you now it's looking good. Staff are working on it. It's looking very good. Uh, Brock's hopeful. Peterborough Housing, who's actually going to manage the building going forward. It's it's very hopeful now. It's just a bit of a delay. So that's really important. The other thing is the secondary suites. Uh, so that did come to us from the province, as things do. We have to react. It's the right thing to do. You do not now have to get a rezoning. The key to all of this, it does have to have a permit. That is the number one thing. It has to be safe for whoever is living in there. So up to fire code, up to building code. And I can tell you it is it, it is gradually working, never as fast as we would like it, but it is working. I was speaking with a young man in the South End and he is extremely busy putting in proper basement windows in homes. Landlords are actually upgrading their... So, so uh, for the parkway, uh, wh- where do you stand on building the whole parkway and the bridge over Jackson Park and all that? Well, as you know, Bill, the, the bridge has been removed when we had the initial... I, I support the parkway. I do. We need. We do need a proper transportation corridor north-south. And by the time we get this done, we'll probably need the ring road as well. I did vote against the bridge. That was the main point of contention, you know, in the public... Um, engagement process and we actually removed it from the plant because that was supposed to be the key to let us move ahead with our own transportation issue and even the minister of the environment was completely fine with all of it and then one other minister uh, basically put a moratorium on it the problem with that is 
not only can we not deal with our north-south need, or we need a transportation corridor, we cannot even do the alternative ideas to that either. These years of delay that has been caused by this is costing us millions of dollars. And even if we did nothing, it's still going to cost us a lot of money because we have traffic that does not belong on residential streets and residential neighborhoods mm -hmm. using those roads that were not built. Great. Okay, well, let's see, Parnell, thank you so much for making the time and best of luck in your campaign uh, in autonomy. Okay, well, thank you very much.